All right, so we're going to be talking about free will. Kind of um, started the topic of free will last, um, or as we're talking about the image of man, we, we kind of naturally jump into that. Uh, I think talking about the, they're connected, the two concepts are connected. Uh, what we're talking about last week was the, uh, the fallen nature, of, is man's nature fallen? And that's a part of the discussion. If you... Uh, if you look at any discussion of, you know, what we call Calvinism, and we'll kind of go into it a little bit, it will always hinge on this concept of man's fallen nature, which, as we talked about last week, is not accurate. Man's nature has not changed. We are still made in the image of God. That's important. We'll reiterate that as we go through. But we want to identify, uh, first, what the, the discussion is. So I'll, I'll just kind of go through, and, and, and we're not going to get into the guts of Calvinism because it's, it's a lot of weeds. Um, and really, you can boil it down fairly simply. And the simple part is wrong, so the complex part is only more wrong. So um, uh, the position of Calvinism is... Um, Man cannot, because obviously free will exists. I can choose things. So they have to figure out how we can say that there's a thing as free will but still believe that we're predestined to, to do wrong and things like that. And talk about man's uh, fallen nature is, is kind of the, the, the mechanism they do. Uh, Augustine wrote this. Let's see if this makes sense to you. That man has free will, but he does not have liberty. That is what we call, so there's a, there's a phrase, uh, and it, it says, uh, it's, it's, it's referred to as a distinction without a difference. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that. That's where people argue over something, but they're really not saying anything different. Uh, they're just phrasing it different. Uh, and, and that's really what this is. Uh, so what Calvinism uh, tries, to, tries to draw a distinction here is by saying that Man can choose what he wants. We could do that. We have the apparatus to choose. But man has a nature where he just so badly wants to do bad that it, it, it's, it's a, a theoretical thing essentially only. It, it's, like a, it's like having three doors. You can choose each one, but two of them are locked. Is, is the, I, I heard a... A, a debate with a Calvinist once, and uh, and that was his description. It's like, well, then you can't choose. I mean, you can point to a door, but it's locked. It might as well be the wall. Uh, and uh, so it's just that it's really a technicality that they try to say, well, yeah, we believe in free will, but not really. Uh, I have free will to choose. I'm just internally incapable. Is is. Uh, and so they will always go back to Adam's sin. They will always go back to, and they'll even say, call it original sin and man's fallen nature. Um, so, uh, and, and again, we are still in God's image. We, we saw that even throughout the New Testament. There are multiple references to that. So... Uh, no verse. You will not find a verse anywhere that talks about man's fallen nature. It just simply is not a topic in the Bible. It doesn't exist. 
Um, we should have some verses that talk about that. But all they'll do is reference the sin in the garden and from there extrapolate. But it, again, we've gone through the sin in the garden. What, are, what type of consequences did we see when we talked about the sin in the garden? Physical. I mean, some spiritual, but only in the sense that they were separated from, from perfection. Um, and we see understanding of sin, but understanding of sin isn't, isn't really a change of nature. It's just a change of my, my vision, I guess. Um, so if man has the ability um, to do good... Well, we'll get to some of the application here at the end. Uh, so I want to back up then, and let's talk about really what the Bible says on the subject. So um, we'll, and we're, we're going to do this a little bit different because some we get the, the, uh, the chorus of people reading. So we're just going to kind of go around and read, and we'll do it that way so that we don't have uh, two people reading at the same time or... Uh, so we're just going to start over here, and uh, let's start with First Peter two sixteen. First Peter chapter two verse sixteen. We're going to talk about liberty and choice here. This is the first section. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as God's servants of God. Okay, so he, uh, again, this is kind of in the middle of uh, of the section. He says, "Act as what." Act as free men, right? I, I, I act as a free man, but not using what? Freedom. Okay, so his, actually the word is liberty. So I'm sorry, Augustine. Um, free and liberty are synonyms. That you can't have freedom without liberty. That's the point of that all. Is, is that, you know, like uh, when we had a revolution... You know, we didn't say, well, we want liberty, but we don't care if we're free. We just want the liberty part. You know, you can't have one without the other. Uh, we are, and he says, act as free men. Well, that implies that, that we can be free. Now, there's a way that they're going to try to sandwich. They're going to say, well, that's only if you're, once you're a Christian, you have free will. Because God's removed that. He's restored your nature and you're okay again. Uh, so he's changed your nature. That's kind of how they sandwich that in there. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 40. And this will all kind of come together as we, we go. Diane, if you could read that. John chapter 5, verse 40. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Hmm. Wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. That's John chapter 5, verse 40? So, so what, what's... In John chapter 5, verse 40, what's Jesus' complaint here? Why, why should he be upset at them if they don't have the opportunity, if they don't have the capability? Right? What's that? He's given it to them. Yeah. He's like, listen... You were not willing. When we say willing, it's, it's a refusal. It's not an inability at this point. They understood 
And they chose. And so, so we have a choosing. We have this inward choosing. That, and that choosing is, an, is a characteristic of a free will. So he says, this is why God's really upset at you. You chose not to do it. Um, again, John chapter 7, verse 17. Uh, jump back to Marcia. John chapter 7, verse 17. So, how is this possible? What's he asking us to do? To choose. You can choose to do it or choose not. Okay, so I can choose. What comes after the choice then? Because the chronology of this and the last one also is important. What happens after I choose? Choose to do what you want. Teaching or you can choose to do your own way. Okay. There's action. Yeah. Okay, so, so there's this action. And I make a choice, and what, what is the order of events? After I choose, then what will happen? If he chooses God's, to do God's will, then he'll know. Then he'll know. So, so it's like this enlightenment. The enlightenment comes after the choice, right? It doesn't come before. So, so the position of Calvinism is that you're enlightened. God does the changing, and then you get the free will. God says, no, that's not the order of ops here. <laughs> the order is you choose it, then you get the effect of it. Uh, and, and that can only be done if I, if I have a free will. And the, the importance here in, between the last verse and this verse is that the, the concept that it only comes by God selecting specific people and saying, well, I'm going to give this to you. That kind of goes out the window because the mechanism that they say, well, the free will that, that Peter is talking about is only for Christians. Well, we, we're now looking at two scriptures where it was expected that people who were not right with God, unbelievers, would have the right and have the capability to make this choice. So... Uh, I always try to pick, it doesn't always work, uh, but I try to pick in both covenants just so we can see that this is not like a Old Testament, New Testament thing. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20. Um, if, Mark, if you want to read that. Yeah, if you, if you don't want to read, you can just pass, by the way. 30, 19 and 20. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Okay. And, oh, just 19 or 19. Oh, and 20, I'm sorry. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so, so again, this kind of confirms the general concept that uh, a broad group of people had choice. Uh, this is significant because we get into the idea that it's individuals. In other words, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very selective. This one will, this one won't. And, and God kind of 
handpicks individuals, but here he's speaking to a broad group and he's like, listen, y'all have the ability to choose right here today what are you going to do? And so, uh, so that's just the general concept of liberty and choice. I want to talk a little bit more specifically. We're going to narrow this down because really when we start getting into this, the, the topic comes up then of repentance. Uh, and, and that's where Calvinism heavily talks about is this the ability to not just to choose what to do but specifically to choose to become Christians, uh, to repent. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, Kat, if you want to read that. And then we'll jump uh, over to the other side here uh, and... Uh, read John 3.16. I think we all know that, but, but it's, it's important in the discussion, actually. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay. Uh, and then John 3.16. Somebody got that over there. Uh, Ray, you got that? All right. I got it. Okay. Okay, so, so the, a concept of repentance here and, and belief uh, <coughs> kind of combined, the, this, the, the mental decision to pursue God. In Matthew, how, how is the phraseology? What, what, what's the, the grammatical... Okay, so he says repent. What type of a statement or a sentence is that? Change. Okay. Grammatically speaking, what is that? It's, it's a requirement. It's a command. Why would you give a command to somebody who can't have the ability to do it? Right. And it is a broad-based thing. Now, in, in John, in chapter 3, verse 16, what is the scope of the people that are expected to, to make the change. What's the scope? How broad does he make this? Everybody. everybody. It's everybody. There's no specific individual selection. Everybody has the ability to believe and repent. And again, they're not... If, if, if we say, well, the people that God... Uh, because the position of Calvinism is, is the people that will be saved are the people that God gives this to and they're pre-selected. Well, if that's the case, then he has just pre-selected everybody. <laughs> and everybody's going to heaven. That's awesome. And, and that means, what's the rest of this book for? I really don't understand the rest of this book having any meaning. Yes? Are you going to go to Acts 9? I'm not sure. There's a lot of verses on this topic. Topic. Um, I don't have it in my notes, so why don't we jump there? Mark, you get it. So, basically, I mean, that's the section where it goes about sovereignty. Yes. Oh, okay. Why, you know, why is it our fault if we can't 
resist God. Are you, are you talking about Romans 9? Romans 9, yes, sorry. Okay. Is that in there? All right. Let me check. Check. No, I think we discussed it last week. I think at the end, the tail end, I think it got brought up. But, but yes. So it's, 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 it seems like it's a counter-argument to the whole you know, free choice and free choice. Right. But it's also not. Correct. Because whenever you look at the earlier part of that chapter, God says, you know, before they were even born, Esau hated and Jacob I loved. It wasn't that he made you know, Esau a bad person. He just knew these are the choices that Esau is going to make. And I already don't like where that ends up. I mean, he has foreknowledge of what's going to happen. But it's not that he made Esau go down a particular path. He just knew the, the choices that Esau right. was going to make. So, so there's, there's multiple things about that chapter uh, that need to be... One of the things we discussed when we talked about Romans 9 is it's a quotation um, of, I believe, Isaiah. I want to say it's Isaiah that we talked about. And, and the, the idea was... was um, that the context was about God selecting Cyrus, and it had nothing to do with anything spiritual. It had to be doing had to do with being selected for a purpose within the plan of God, just politically in the structure of the world, setting up all these kingdoms, taking punishing other kingdoms. That's that's all that that Isaiah was referencing, and in in Romans he's actually been applying the same thing to. Uh, to people and their uses. And when he talks about Jacob and Esau, he's not even talking about Jacob and Esau. He's talking about the Jews and the Edomites um, because he, it, it, has nothing, and it has nothing to do, and he's very clear there, it has nothing to do with their salvation or their, their, uh, their righteousness because, quite frankly, the Jews didn't end up any morally better than than the Edomites. Uh, um, that was kind of the, the point of the whole experiment. Um, but um, so so that that's that's good to bring up because it, it does it does tie in. I mean, there's we could we, there's a million verses in the in the New Testament or Old Testament that that illustrate the the folly of this. Um, so. Uh, as we, there is one more verse under the topic uh, of repentance that is much like John three sixteen. We'll just cover it real quick. If, um, if Barry, if you could uh, read Second Peter three nine. I'm not sure where I left off. First Peter three nine. First second. Second. Thank you. Second Peter. Second Peter three nine. What is there? No. <laughs> verse nine. Uh, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay. So, uh, if God, this. Calvinism now paints God as an absurd God. Why would I say that? What does God want here? He wants everyone. He wants everyone to repent. But Calvinism states what? It doesn't make any difference. There's only a select few. <laughs> Calvinism says, I've only appointed a, a few people, and I'm only going to let a few people you know, out of this larger group because broad is the way and narrow is the way and all that. Right? So, so the minority of people are going to be allowed into heaven. And I, God, from the beginning of time, have pre-selected those people. And then God turns around and says, but I want everyone to do it. 
well, if God wanted you to do it, then why did you own, like we have an absurd God if Calvinism is correct? It, it, it doesn't. It, it's a completely illogical God. I, I, I cannot worship the God of Calvinism. He makes no sense. He wants everybody, but he's saying, but I'm not going to let you. I want you, but I can't. I can just. Why? Because I don't just cuz. Okay, so um, Calvinism uh, is, it depends on where you are in the world. Uh, uh, in, um, in the United States, it would be uh, most Baptists, probably a lot of your Pentecostals. Um, there are... Um, I don't know that Baptists anymore say there's only, because they, they still want members. There's this once saved, saved always, always saved. So, so, um, so, yeah, so, uh, Baptist, Baptist theology is, um, is Calvinist. Um, obviously, uh, any Calvinist church will, will teach that. Yes, it, it is uh, predestination, uh, original sin. You'll, you'll, you'll hear that terminology within. Now, this is interesting because I went overseas with that expectation. And uh, when we went to Ukraine, and this, this is how I, I know it's, it's actually uh, in, in American churches, uh, American Baptist. When when the Soviet <laughs> Union solidified, um, uh, everything got frozen inside because there was no communication outside. So the Baptist Church is what the Baptist Church was then. It just can't because they had no communication. So I'm talking with a Baptist preacher. Their their church. Uh, or the, one of the elders or preachers or their church was right behind our our our, our church building in the neighborhood. We we're talking, and and so we got onto the the discussion of of Calvinism. He says, "I'm not a Calvinist." He's like, "That's your American Baptist churches." I was like, "Oh." He's like, he's like, he said, he said, he's he said, we're what the Baptist church was a hundred years ago. You're, you've been affected by by a lot of the evangelical stuff that's come in over the last hundred years. So originally, probably the Baptist church was not like that. And so there's probably a lot of Baptist churches which aren't still. Uh, but I know that the like a lot of the Baptist in, institutes will teach that um, for a fact. So there are true. That's true. This maybe. Yeah, once saved, always saved. That that's that is an extension of that's an extension of Calvinism, and there might be like different levels of how much they accept. But those are all those phraseologies all come from from that the concept of original sin um, and the fallen nature of man. Uh, I will I'll come with a list of I'll, I'll I'll come with a list next week of people who uh, in churches that teach that. Um, so. Uh, just because you caught me off guard here. Um, so, <clears throat> want to talk about, we, we get into what man can want. Right? That's a part of this discussion. What can man want? Um, well, I would, you have the free will, but you just have the inability. You're like an animal with an instinct. He's always going to do the same thing all the time, and uh, which isn't even true. You know, oh, I'm, I, I had that this, this year hunting. Like, 
Oh, animals always do this. Right. Wonderful. Okay, I'm going to set this way because the wind's doing this thing. And, da, 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 and three, three deer pop out behind me. You're not supposed to do that. Go back and try that again. Right? Animals don't even do the same thing all the time. We're going to expect a human. What's that? No. Um, bad luck. So. So let's talk about man's desire. Um, Dave, you want to uh, read Romans seven eighteen and nineteen? For I know that good itself does not dwell with me; that is in my sinful nature. For I have desired to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is I keep on doing. Okay. So um, I do know that some of the uh, some of the as as I'm reading this, I'm, some of the quotes that I'm in my rattling around, like Charles Spurgeon was very big Calvinist. Um, who's the 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 guy uh, R. C. Sproul's? If you've heard of him. Uh, so I'm not sure what their theological backgrounds are, but they're very, very, very big, heavy quoting um, uh, of, of Calvinist theology. A lot of their their stuff is the bedrock for um, for modern uh, Calvinism. Uh, so what does what? And by the way, this is used. This passage is used to support it. The inability. I have the inability. See, it, nothing good dwells in my flesh because they try to. They look. Lo, they love the passages where we talked about those where man is bad all the time and all that. Right? Yes. If you if you took that to its logical conclusion, then that would mean that he always sinned in, in everything that he did. Because he said, "The good I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing." If you, if you take everything in the same context and that there is nothing good in me, yeah. then all he would do is sin. Well, th- and and they, they, what he was saying there. Theoretically, they kind of they do that because they'll, they'll point out verses like in, in Genesis where, where uh, man, only, man was only wicked, only evil. All the, thoughts, all the thoughts of man were only evil all the time. Like, whoa, okay, that's a really bad group of people. Um, and... Uh, and, and they like those verses that talk about how bad man is. But again, what's the mechanism that they've tried to squeeze the technical freedom to choose and the liberty trying to divide that up? The mechanism is in where? It's inside of me. I could choose. That would be possible. But I am an instinctual human being and my instinct because of the fall of man, is to sin, the desire. In other words, they put it in the desire. And what does Paul state about his desire? He doesn't have good control over it. He wants to do something, but oh, he desires to do He has the internal to des- desire to do good. Wait a minute. That's com- that, that completely throws everything out. So... so and he's like, I, I have the bad control, but I have the desire. And this, this, so you see over and again, 
the 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 those who oppose the concept of free will they, they're constantly contradicting their own position it makes no sense um proverbs chapter 16 dave you want to read uh, proverbs uh chapter 16 verse 9 16-9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This is another one. If you, if you read any theology on Calvinism, this is going to be in the list right, of, of this support. Because why? It sounds very God is sovereign making everything happen, which is kind of the point, but what do we get to first before God is kind of accomplishing things? What is man doing? He's planning. He's trying to get there. And God's saying, you're going to, all this says is you're going to need some help to get there. You're kind of weak and feeble, which is the same idea that Paul was stating. Now, this is not necessarily even with reference to sin or not sin. This is just making plans, just wanting to do things and wanting to accomplish things. It could be within the realm of morality. It's not really one way or the other. But is it, man has the ability to plan. Plans come from desires. We want to accomplish things. So intrinsically, what this passage says is opposite of Calvinism. It states... That man has the ability to want, and not just to want generally, but to, to think of things along the path of how he's going to get there. And God says, yeah, but you don't understand the things between here and there that you're going to encounter. And I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to grease that to get you where you want to be. Uh, that's going to take more than just your ability to plan. So that's all that this verse states. And, and as I say... It is contrary to Calvinist theology, um, which isn't, by the way, I keep saying Calvinism. Calvinism is really just a detailed look at something that Augustine taught. Uh, and what Augustine taught was the first time in the history of the church it had been taught. And the problem was that, that Augustine was a really good speaker. He was extremely educated. Um, and, and so his thoughts became very popular and were infused into, into the church. But they were not, they were not original. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit um, here. Uh, one, two, three, four. Let's read one more under this section here. Um, uh, John chapter 7, verse... Oh, well, you already read that. Uh, we already read that. Why do I have that in two different spots? Okay, but uh, we talk, I guess it, it goes well in both spots, but that's probably why. Uh, John seven seventeen says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, that we, we kind of already read that in one of our, one of our first verses. And, and the idea is, is that man has a will. And he says, if, anybody, if, if man has a will to do God's will, well, if I have the inability to think good, how can I possibly have the will to do God's will? as an internal thing. And he says, if. It, uh, 
If God predestines it, then if is not a question. It's automatically assumed. Oh, I wouldn't say if. If God makes me do it, there's no if. <laughs> so, um, I want to look at some Old Testament observations. Uh, one of them I've mentioned, but I just want to go back. Uh, Genesis chapter 4. And this is the, the situation with uh, Cain and Abel. Bonnie, you want to read Genesis 4, 5 through 7? So many things in this passage that are pertinent. First of all, we have the first generation of people that should be technically born with original sin, right? We have the first group of people, Adam and Eve's actual kids. Forget great, 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 great grandkids, which is, you know, us. If anybody's going to have original sin, it's going to be these guys. <laughs> And there's a number of things in here that say it just is not tenable. This just doesn't work. Well, Cain's obviously the bad guy. You'd think he's predestined, wouldn't you? I mean, if, if two people are predestined, one to good and one to bad here, it, it feels like Cain should be the guy, right? And Abel should be the good guy, and then, you know, he's dead. So Seth comes along to be the good guy in, in, the, in, the, in the story. <coughs> Yet, what does God say about Cain? What, what is God's description of Cain's spiritual... He has the ability to do right. The word if. The word if is important. Is it, listen, you got the knowledge. You, you, you have the ability. If you do this, then you can do this. He says, sin is crouching at your door. The temptation is there. In other words, sin is external. Sin is not internal. Or I should say temptation. We tempt ourselves. James says that. But, but it's not from within our nature. It's an external thing that pulls our person to something. But don't you think um, when you're raising kids, you kind of... With that knowledge in them, without you know, without me reading this verse, but it, you know, when you teach your kids that, well, own up if you do something wrong. You yeah. Know, to me, it, it just, I don't know, it's something in you, you know. Oh yeah. Well, I, I've shared the the story of. Uh, I, I, it works both ways. Okay. Um, it, the, the concept of conscience. And that's, Paul talks about that in Romans. He says, you know, when, I, when, when the law came, sin, sin came alive and I died. Right? Like when, in other words, when, when, when I started understanding the concept of good and evil, that's when that, that's, the law started working. 
And unfortunately, it killed me because then, then you get to, you start thinking the wrong thing. Uh, and that, you can see that in kids. And I, I've talked about, you know, asking, you know, Benjamin. Right before you did that, did you hear the little voice that said, don't do it? Yeah. Right? Listen to that voice. He, he, it's trying to keep you from getting spankings. It's a good voice. You know, he's like, um, but he says, sin is crouching at your door. And he says, you have the ability to be a master over that. Cain, you have the ability to be a master over it. Uh, Genesis 6, 5. And this is that, that passage, and it's referencing the flood and, and how bad man was. Kath, you want to read that? Genesis chapter 6. Verse 5. Um, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every in inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Uh, okay, in verse 6, why don't you throw verse 6 in there? 6, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Mm, okay, so, so we know the story. Now, there's some interesting things in here that we, we skim over. I think when we read this, but uh, because we don't, I don't, typically we don't read this verse with a view towards, towards the, the idea of free will or not. But I think what the, the general picture I get when I read this within this context is that this is a departure from the norm. Do you get that idea? This is, this is not normal. Man had become this. And it, it, that's why it grieves God in his heart. If, if, if man was only evil all the time and that's what man had been since an eternity, it would be like just more of the same. But this grieves, it's, like, it's especially bad. Now, there's another thing that's really silly here. If God predestines stuff, like God predestined no good people other than Noah. <laughs> that's it. Wow, what, what's God doing? What, 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 and what are you unhappy with this group of people? You didn't, you didn't predestine any good people so that now you have to kill them? This, and the entire idea is, um, is bizarre. Um, we're not going to have time to get through, uh, through these. I'll, I'll just mention a couple. The, the concept of denying yourself and taking up your cross. Again, that... that the, uh, a lot of the formative passages in our New Testament are around, and even in the Old Testament, choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua. Uh, you know, it, it, like all, some of our formative passages are around the capability of man to choose to do right and wrong. Um, and as I said, I, I, you know, Looking at where this comes from, um, just really, really briefly, Augustine came to read some of the, the passages in the New Testament. Where did he get these ideas from? He came to it from an idea of Greek paganism, and he read some of his biases that he grew up when he's already a middle-aged man when he becomes a Christian. And he reads into the, one of the things that that Augustine would have believed in is if you've ever read any Greek mythology, if you've been forced to study that in like college or high school or something, uh, you've heard of the Fates. 
or read Shakespeare or something. I think there's some some of the plays have the fates. The fates are the 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 three. There's like three witches. I think they're witches, and they the one controls your life when you're born, when you die, and then kind of I guess what's in between. <laughs> so, like your your eternal destiny, and 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 they're the, they're called the fates. And so we say, well, fate does this, and fate. It's actually a reference to to Greek mythology, and. Whether or not he actually believed the mythology by this point, 400 years after Christ, the, the concepts within the mythology were still there. And he would have believed likely in the concept of fate. And so when he comes to read the New Testament and he reads those verses about predestination in Romans and in, in Ephesians and things like that, he's reading it with a Greek mindset. And so he reads Greek thought into the Bible where it didn't exist already. That's important. Uh, you mentioned kids. All right. uh, kids are important in this. Because one of the things that, that a lot of this is in theoretical discussions. People have theoretical discussions. And the people who have the theoretical discussions don't even believe it. <clears throat> what I mean by that is, is they'll, they'll sit down and have a discussion with you about this verse and that verse, and we'll get deep into Romans and and I believe this and don't and we'll, but then they'll go home and they will not live out Calvinism. No one in raising kids has ever lived out Calvinism. Why? Because as soon as you have something that needs to be done, some expectation that you have, what? You're going to discipline the kid. Something you're going to criticize. Some way you're going to express disapproval for the kid not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And no parent ever says, "Well, just predestined." I guess. I guess he just can't choose to do good. Like no parents ever done that. We all. It's okay. You're just you're just one of those people that can't do good. <laughs> like no parent has ever said that. So 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 nobody actually practices in reality consistently. Calvinism. No one believes it. Not even people who say they believe it. Why? Because we intrinsically come knowing that it's baloney. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't work. No home was ever raised with, with Calvinist principles. It's, it's just something that exists in a, in a college setting and then people preach it from a pulpit. And that's where it lies. So, any other thoughts? Yeah. You mentioned R.C. Sproul a bit ago, and um, I listened to his podcast almost on a weekly basis. He's talked about this. Actually, I think he authored a book called Chosen by God, which mm -hmm. yes, addresses yes. the concept of predestination. One of the things he mentions in there is we have a tendency to think that God, before we were born, has looked down the corridors of time to see what we're going to do or what we're not going to do and which way we're going to choose. And he's made his predestinational choice based on how we're choosing later on, kind of wiping the slate clean with that concept and saying that's not how it works because God has mercy on whom he has mercy. For right. us to try to understand how he chooses or selects us is not really for us to understand. Yeah. That, yeah, and what that is is a way of saying, I'm not going to give up this doctrine. That makes no sense, but I'm still going to espouse it. So I can't understand it. But this is the way it is. It makes no sense. It, it makes no sense because it's not true. That, that's, the easy, that's the easy thing to do with that book. Anyway. No. All right, you're dismissed.